I remember what he delivered me from. Hallelujah. Oh, and I feel a sweet spirit here today. Let me just invite all of you to come back tonight at 6.30, Wednesday night, 7.30. Make it a habit. This be a good time to start a new habit. Come into the house of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Good to see brothers and sister nations today. Glad that they're with us. They travel a lot, but we're glad that they're here. And if you have your Bible, I'd like to read from Jeremiah 16 and also Mark the first chapter. Hallelujah. Oh, I feel the Lord here. I know we got a lot of visitors here and you may have heard probably preachers say this before, but if you'll ask any of our people, it's very rare that I say this, but I have a word from the Lord for somebody today. I have a word from the Lord. Jeremiah 16 and verse 16 says, Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish them. And after will I send for many hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, from every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. For mine eyes are upon all their ways. They are not hid from my face, neither is their iniquity hid from mine eyes. And then Mark, the first chapter, reading the same 16 and 17. I guess that's just a coincidence there. It says, Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. Everybody say praise the Lord. And bless you, you may be seated. I want to preach just for a few minutes on fishing and hunting. Fishing and hunting. Didn't come to preach a so-called Easter message today. About five weeks ago, the Lord laid it on my heart that I needed to preach this this morning. He knew who was going to be here this morning. Some of y'all five weeks ago probably didn't think about being here this morning. But the Lord knew who was going to be here. Jesus saw Peter and Andrew casting a net into the sea. The Bible says for they were fishers. And he told them that he would make them fishers of men. And that's really what a preacher is. I'm a fisher of men. But what I try to do is I just try to cast the lure out there and hope that there's somebody biting. I hope that there's somebody got a little hunger. Hoping there's somebody's got a little bit of desire. God's not going to make you live for him. God is not going to stick a gun in your back and tell you that you've got to live for him. He's not looking for that kind of worship. He's not looking for that kind of response. Now, sometimes he'll put you in a situation to where you change your thinking to where you want to live for him. But the bottom line is you got to make up your mind you're going to live for God. We can't make anybody live for God. God won't make anybody. He could have made us robots. He could have made us that way. He's God. He could have made it when we open our eyes in the morning. The first thing that come out was praise you the Lord. Praise you the Lord. Praise you the Lord. He could have made us that way. He could have made it every time you walk through those doors. A little light came on in your brain and you say, oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. But he didn't make us that way. He wanted somebody out of the depths of their soul that was thankful for what he's done for them on their own free volition to say, I love you, Jesus. I I praise you, Lord. I magnify you, God. It's been a while since I used this example to let have all you visitors. I remember I used to travel a lot from my wife, and I'd be gone three or four nights. And when I'd come home, she likes to read. If I walked through that door and she was reading a book, and she glanced up and saw me and went back, and I'd been gone three or four nights. If she just kept on reading, if I had to say, woman, get over here and give me a kiss. Now, she would have done it, 
but I wouldn't have got much out of him. But when that door opened and she saw it was me, if she flung that book aside, and jumped to her feet and said, sweetheart, love of my life, my hero, and run over and play smash face with me. That would make me feel good because she did it because she wanted to. And when we come to the house of the Lord, we shouldn't have to have somebody up here saying, why don't you tell him you love him? Why don't you tell him you're thankful? Why don't you praise him a little bit? There ought to be something inside of you that says, Jesus, my sweetheart, the love of my life, Oh, God, you're the one that saved me. I say it ought to flow out. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. I say God's not looking for a shotgun wedding. He's not going to have a shotgun bride that, hey, you got to live for me and you got to marry me. He's letting his spirit reach out all over this world. And he's saying, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And I'm throwing out the fishing line one more time this morning. I believe there's some people here that's tired of living like they've been living. I believe there's some people here that know they need to get right with God. But you see, it's going to be up to you. If you're not saved, it's not going to be because of me. If you're not saved, it's not going to be because of Brother Adcock. It's not going to be because of your parents. It's not going to be because of your spouse. We all have the power of choice. I understand that how you're brought up affects you. I understand that things that happen to you in life can play a part in you. But ultimately, there are people here this morning that had terrible childhoods that are living for God. There's people here today that have been scarred and maimed by sin, but they're living for God today. There is no reason not to live for God. There is no excuse that you can offer up why you shouldn't be living for God. Because when you stand on judgment day and you try to tell why you wasn't saved, there's going to be a host of witnesses. 1 Corinthians 1 and 21 says, for, for after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You need to hear a preacher, folks. You can't get all you need at home. I'm going to tell you that right now. You can't get all you need just listening on the radio. You can't get all you need just out on the mountainside somewhere. You need to hear a God-called preacher preach the word of the Lord. And I'll tell you what the Bible says. It says repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, God does speak occasionally in a dream. He does speak occasionally in a vision. He does speak occasionally in tongues and interpretation. But the most of the time when you hear from the Lord, it's going to be a preacher up here preaching the word of the Lord. And there's times I've noticed in my life when I really felt the unction and I really felt the power and I preached with everything I had and I thought surely people were going to come to the altar and not one person came. You know why? The fish wasn't biting. Somehow the weather wasn't right. Somehow it just didn't reach them. And I've seen other times when I kind of fumbled around and I didn't have it all together and yet when I got to the end people ran to the altar why? because there was a hunger in their hearts it's not in what I can say or not say it's God's got to do the work God's got to deal God's got to draw God's got to stir so actually as a preacher I'm a salesman and I've got the greatest product in the world I've done a little selling in my life I sold a little insurance sold mobile homes sold vacuum cleaners I enjoyed that selling vacuum cleaners for a while. You go in somebody's house and 
And he goes, I tell him, ma'am, I'm sure you didn't wake up with a burning desire to get a vacuum cleaner today, did you? They said, no. I said, well, I'd just like to show you this one just so when you get ready, you'll know what you want to buy. But you know what I knew? If I could get in there... And start pulling some dirt out of that carpet. Start pulling some dirt off the chairs that they've dawned on them. Hey, I need what they've got. And that's what we're hoping today. You didn't come to get right with God. But I hope before you leave here, you understand you have a need of God. That you feel the Holy Ghost drawing and the Holy Ghost moving inside of you. And I guess one of the most frustrating things about a salesman is you get people right to the point. You can see... She looks at him and he looks at her. And you're trying to figure out who's the one going to make the decision. <laughs> you had to figure that out. Then pay no attention to that other guy, whoever makes the decision. And you know, you'd get them right to that point and you couldn't get them to cross the line. You'd tell these neat little stories. You ever seen the mattress test? Anybody ever seen the mattress test? Boy, they take that vacuum cleaner back there and they, they go right back to your bedroom and they go, mm, and boy, it pulls off all this dead skin, all this dirt right out of your mattress. And I'd lay it out on this little black rag we'd let on the bed. And I'd say, sit right there. Like, well, I ain't going to sit there. I'd say, well, you slept there last night. And so you try to come up. I'd say, let me ask you this, sir. If you went to over to Birmingham this weekend and they said, we'll give you a room for $50. It's got a dirty mattress. Or for $52, you can get one that's got a clean mattress. Which one would you take? They'd always say $52. I said, you'd pay $2 a night in Birmingham. And for less than $2 a night, you can have one every night right here in Jackson. we got a deal. But somehow, you just, sometimes you just couldn't get them across the line. Man, if they had a little children, I love when they had a little baby crawling on the floor. I'd say, sir, what's the worst thing you ever stepped in? Don't tell me. But I said, just think about it. I said, when you come in that door and you come walking, you'd wiped it off the best you could. But when you came in that carpet, there's some of them going to get on that carpet. Here comes little Johnny, his pacifier falls out. He don't clean off. He just sticks it back in. It's worth it to have a clean carpet. Didn't have we got a deal? But somehow, even though you would try to bring out why they ought to get it, there was always some reluctance there. And I've seen people come to the house of the Lord. And I was there one time in my own life that the Holy Ghost gets to moving. And you can tell that God's dealing with them. And they begin to grab the pew in front of them. Or their palms begin to get sweaty. Or their heart begins to pound fast. And they understand that I'm in the presence of the Almighty God. But all the time the devil's talking in the air. You don't want to get right today. You got something else you want to do. I want to tell you today is the day of salvation. There'll never be a better time to get right with God than right now. Fishing's a lot of fun when they're biting. I don't care nothing about drowning crickets. Me and my brother and my daddy, me and my big brother Gary, my little brother Jim and daddy went fishing one time at Lake Erling over in Arkansas. And boy, we found a hot spot. We, I like the brown fish. Boy, we just pulling them in there. And me and Gary, two days later, we was going to go by ourselves. And we got down there, Brother Nations, in the same spot. We marked the spot on the side of the boat so we didn't know where we got there. But no, I mean, we had the same spot. Man, we was fishing the same depth. We was using the same kind of bait, and we didn't catch the first thing. It was the same spot. They just wasn't biting that day. There are seasons that the Holy Ghost is moving and drawing, and seasons that people's giving their heart to God. And God has told me to tell somebody that this is your season right now. This is your opportunity right now. This is your time right now. While he's throwing it out. I tell you one thing for sure. If they're biting, I'll stay. 
I don't care if the mosquitoes get bad, Brother Clyde. I'm, if they're biting, I'll stay. Not the mosquitoes, the fish. Hallelujah. If the fish are biting, I'll stay. It doesn't matter if it starts raining. If I'm pulling them in, that's okay. It doesn't matter if it gets dark as long as we're catching them. Why do we have revival sometimes? Night after night and week after week. When the fish are biting, we understand they're not always biting. And when they're biting, we're going to fish as long as we can. We're going to throw out the lure as long as we can. We don't have to leave at 12 o'clock today. We don't have to, we can have church tomorrow night if we need to. See, when the fish begin to bite, when people get hungry. But you know, fishing can be a little bit dangerous. You ever seen a spoonbill catfish? Uh, Arkadelphia, where my wife's from, I went to college there, had a dam there, the gray dam. And certain times of the year, them old spoonbills run up close to that dam. I mean, you know, they wasn't about that long and their nose was about that long. And you didn't put no bait on there. There were so many of them. You had three hooks on your line, and you just threw that thing out there and got the yanking. I've caught a few backwards. I mean, caught them in the back and just wheeled them, and they didn't know what was going on. They just happened to be passing by. I'm throwing it out there this morning. Hallelujah. I'm hoping to catch somebody. I don't care where I catch you at. I just want to throw it out there. Oh, God, would you get a hold of somebody? Oh, God, would you let it sink deep inside of them? But I remember one time I was taking one of those things off. And you know, I'm not real handy. Y'all the old church know I'm not. And somehow when I did that, I stuck that barb all the way in my finger. I mean, you couldn't even see that thing. And I sat there and I looked at that thing. And I thought, what am I going to do? And I tried pulling, but you know, when the barb's over, you got trouble. Had to go to the doctor, man. They had to stick the shot right in my finger, man. That shot looked that big. You know, I don't like those shots. My daddy and my brother Gary, I've told my, you don't know, my brother Gary weighs a hundred pounds more than me. He's a big old boy. I like being around him. It makes me feel trim. And, uh, him and my daddy was out fishing there at Magnolia. And Gary was in the front of the boat and daddy was back there with the motor and not just a little boat, 14 foot boat. Of course, Gary weighs about, well, if I tell him how much you weigh, you don't know how much I weigh. Anyway, he weighs on up there. Daddy only weighs about 200 pounds. That boat was loaded down. And they hit a little stop. And so Daddy, and this is very uncharacteristic of my Daddy because he's a very conscientious, careful, almost drive you crazy over the details kind of guy. But somehow when he stood up to start the motor, he left it in gear. And when he pulled on that thing, it threw him out of the boat. And the boat's going and Gary's in the front. So one is even, propeller's even in the water. <laughs> you know, it was, he was sitting in the front and the boat's just taking off. Here's Gary, 400 pounds nearly, nearly. And uh, he gets up and has to waddle his way back to get a hold of that motor and cut that thing off. I say every once in a while fishing gets a little dangerous. Every once in a while some things happen uh, that you didn't think was going to happen. But you know why we do it? Because one fish is worth it all. One soul is worth it all. We'll spend money. We'll spend time in prayer. We'll fast. We'll do whatever we got to do. But God, we got to reach a soul. I love preaching the old lure of the love of God. Oh, man. You see, you got a tackle box as a preacher. And boy, the one I like using is that old love of God. While we was yet sinners. You ever think about that? God loves you this morning just, just where you are right now. He can't love you anymore if you start doing everything right than he does right now. Isn't that an amazing fact? Do you know you've never done anything he wasn't there? You had never had a thought that he doesn't know about. 
You had never done the low down rotten things you've done that the Lord wasn't standing right there. He knew what was going on. And he still loves us. What an awesome God that I serve. I can't comprehend the love of God. And I love preaching that one about the love. And you throw it out there and there's some people that's tender hearted. There's some people, boy, when they understand that there's a God that loves them. It's not because they've been good. It's not because they're perfect. But just because He's the Father. He's the one that created them. There's some tender hearted people you can throw out that lure and they'll bite on that thing first time and they'll just come right on into the boat. But then there's some people don't respond to that. Sometimes you preach on heaven. Sometimes you preach on hell. Sometimes you preach on judgment. Sometimes you preach on blessings. Sometimes you preach on cursings. You're just pulling it out of the, out of the tackle box or just throwing it out there hoping that somebody is going to be hungry as they pass by. And today, I'm telling you, I've pulled out a lure that I hardly ever used. I hadn't used three years that I've been in Brandon here. One that cost me more than anything else. Why? Because I want to see somebody saved today. Oh, there's some, a lot of people here this morning that you need to represent. Repent. You need to turn your life around. You know you're not living right with God. You know if you were to die right now, you'd be in trouble with God. And yet, as human beings, we choose to gamble. I'll have another day. I'll have another chance. Now, I don't know much about hunting. I've never been deer hunting. I guess I ought to. There must be something to it. How many of y'all think there's something to that deer hunting? Must be something to it. There is a different philosophy, though, between a hunter and a fisher. When a fisherman catches a little one, he throws it back in. After you shot that thing, ain't nothing you can do for him. And is that not true? I had a friend of mine in Shreveport, old Steve White. He said, man, I was out there hunting. He evidently had some private land, so he wasn't worried about anybody out there. I wouldn't want to go hunt with him. He'd just shoot and look later. He said he saw something brown and he shot. So the little old bitty falls. He probably didn't weigh 30 pounds. He said, I just had to take my knife and cut her throat. I thought, how can you do that? He said, well, <laughs> it's 30 pounds. I'm going, man, what kind of philosophy is that? I asked that guy, I said, how can you kill old Bambi's daddy? He said, you sit out there all week long in misty rain. When he shows up, you just blow his head off. There's a difference between a hunter and a fisherman. And I want to tell somebody today, the Bible says that he's fishing for you, but if you won't respond to the lure, that God is able to pick up the gun and go hunting for you. He's able to get a hold of you. He's able to cause some pain in your life that you reach a point that you'll say, God, all along, you know I wanted to live for you. You know I wanted to be right, but somehow I just couldn't make myself. Bible tells us a story about Jonah. We've all heard it many times, but oh, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh. But he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He decided to go the other way. And undoubtedly, there's several people here this morning. You know what God wants you to do. You know what you was taught. You know where you've been. You know what you have felt. You know you're not going the direction you ought to go. But because you don't want to go there, you're going a different way. And old Jonah, he got on that boat, and he was going to go to Tarshish. He didn't want to go to Nineveh. And when he got on that boat, and after they loaded up and got out in the water, the Bible says a wind began to blow. And the waves begin to come up and even those seafaring men got scared now those men didn't get scared at every little old storm this undoubtedly was a monster of a storm something was happening here and they begin to say somebody must have offended their God and they begin to go down 
the row and old Jonah finally confessed, it's me. I was supposed to go to Nineveh, but I'm running from God. And they said, what are we going to do with you? And Jonah said, I guess just cast me into the sea. And they picked him up and they threw him overboard. The man that was supposed to have been in Nineveh, the man that was called to preach, the man that was supposed to do the will of the Lord, he was running from God. And all of a sudden he finds himself in the water. This is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible because this big fish comes up and swallows him. And you know what's always amazed me? Jonah was in there three days and three nights. It took him three days and three nights before he was ready to get right with God. I just kind of believe when I saw that mouth opening up, I'd have been repenting right then. I just kind of feel like as soon as I saw I was fixing to be swallowed whole, that I believe I could have got sincere. I believe I could have said, oh God, have mercy upon my soul. But evidently, Jonah was in such a state of mind that he just got swallowed up and he stayed there for three days and three nights. I would ask you the question this morning, what's God going to have to let happen in your life before you get right with him. How bad a situation is going to have to come up before you humble yourself before God? How many storms are you going to have to go through before you say, God, I surrender my will? I'm here to tell somebody today, Lord laid on my heart. He's going to start hunting for somebody. I hadn't responded to the lure. He loves you so much that's why he does it let me tell you a story this is a true story he could never really get a hold of it somehow he wouldn't give his heart to God somehow he couldn't get a prayer life going somehow he wouldn't really Say no to everything. Can I tell you, you got to say no to everything. You can't hold your pet sin back. You can't do it. And this young man, when he's got a little bit older and he got to be a teenager, and I look at our teenagers and I feel for them, I remember that peer pressure. Anybody remember the peer pressure? Anybody remember the wanting to be accepted with the crowd? And he got involved in some things that he shouldn't have got involved in. And he got to drinking a little bit and he got to smoking dope a little bit and, and he got out of high school and he went to college and, and lo and behold, he changed colleges his second year and he went to a Pentecostal church. Hadn't been in a few weeks and months. And you know what he prayed through? Man, he saw the error of his way. He met a young lady. He got married, got out of school. And then when he went to work, Somehow he got him with the crowd that wasn't doing right. Somehow he wouldn't stand up and say, no, I don't do that. Somehow he never had really got that prayer life. Somehow he hadn't understood this was real. We're not playing games here. We're not here because we've got no place else to go. We're not here to show off a new set of clothes today. Easter's more than that. Easter's about you can be dead and he'll raise you up again. That one time I was lost, but now I'm found. And this young man... He began to drift again. He began to do his dope again. He began to drink again. Wife going to church all this time. Knowing he ought to do right, but he didn't. Had a little child born. So excited all about that. 
somehow he'd go to church every once in a while like on Easter. And he'd feel something. But he wasn't ready to get right with God. He wanted to do his own thing. Wanted to live the way that he wanted to live. A few years rock on by. And by now he's sure enough messed up. I don't know how many of y'all have ever been messed up on drugs or alcohol. But it's a terrible curse. It's a terrible chain. You say you're going to quit, but you can't. And they had another child born, a little boy. And the first child was a girl. He was so happy about that little boy. Bought him a little baseball suit. Bought him a little wooden bat. Play with him on his chest in the morning times. Went to church Right after that, right before that baby was born one Sunday morning, got under conviction and went to the altar and said, God, I'm not ready, but I do want to live for you. Don't give up on me, God. But he wouldn't bow. He wouldn't surrender. That baby was about three and a half months old. And one Monday morning, they took him to the babysitter and they both stayed home from work. Tired. Had a bad weekend with the baby. and Came a knock on the door. And they just ignored it. They was tired. Figured it was a salesman. Had the phone off the hook. A little while later come a banging on the door. There was a lady from the church. She said you need to come. So they've had to take your baby to the hospital. And they got dressed. And they drove them down to that hospital. When they walked. There were several people from the church. And his wife began to cry and say, no. And all of a sudden, he began to realize, no, God, don't take my baby. And the doctor came out and said, do you want to see him? We couldn't do anything. And he went in by himself, this young man. And that baby was cold and already blue. And he cried and he cried. No, God, please. Not this. I want to live for you, God, please. I'll live for you. Just put life back in him, Lord, please. And he cried and he cried. And he cried and he cried. And he just thought he had been doing drugs before. He just began to drink and take narcotics all the time. Trying to handle all the pressure in his brain, on his mind. One Monday morning, he got up and had a long drive, and he cried all day. It had been about six weeks. And he wrote a little poem or a little song. Borrowed a few words from a popular song. He said, don't know when I've been so blue, not since I last thought of you. And now that you're gone, we'll never get to sing our song. You never knew how much I cared. You never knew all the things I hoped to share. Now all my dreams are gone and all I have is this sad song. I know that people don't understand how much you meant to me, you little man, and how it hurts me so inside that I have to find a way to hide. People say the pain will ease, but that really doesn't comfort me. Oh, Dave, I loved you so. And in my heart, I'll never let you go. That was my baby. I named after me. 
for God, but I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And God loved me so much that when I wouldn't respond to the fishing, He shot me and He hurt me and He maimed me until I got to the point that I said, God, I can't live like this anymore. Would you please have mercy upon me, God? And the devil telling me it was too late. The devil telling me that you've gone too far. You waited too long. God ain't going to have nothing to do with you. That's the judgment of God. You're forever lost. And yet he reached out his hand to me. And he touched my mind. And God laid this on my heart five weeks ago. I'm trying to tell somebody in the fear of the Lord. Somebody here needs to listen to what I'm saying. God has fished for you and you haven't responded. And he's going to hunt for you if you don't respond to him. He loves you so much that he'd rather cause you pain and see you saved. He said you'd be better to have your eye plucked out or your hand cut off and and be whole going in the hell. Could we all bow our heads just for a minute? I want everybody to pray. God, Lord, only you know who's here today. Only you really know who this message is for today. Maybe several somebodies. Oh, God, I don't want anybody to have to go through the pain, God, that I felt. Oh, God, but I want them to be saved, Lord. And right now, God, I'm loosening your spirit, Lord. Whatever you got to do, Lord, that everybody in here would be saved. Whatever's got to happen in their life, Lord, whatever's got to take place, so be it, oh, Lord. Oh, God, let your fear come upon us, oh, God. Let your convicting power. Oh, I need somebody to intercede with me right now, church. I need somebody that's got a lost loved one here that's standing in the gap right now. I need somebody to cry out for mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. Oh, God, have mercy. Could we all stand right now? Oh, would you close? keep your eyes closed? Would you bow your heads? I saw some of you here as the Spirit was moving earlier, and I could see God was dealing with you. I want to invite you to come and pray this morning. I want to invite you to come and bow your knee before Him. Oh, come on, church, help me pray. Oh, I cannot read. Yes, she, 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 I cannot read. Yes, she,